Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast today. It's a privilege to interview a guy that I've known for decades, who's had a major impact on the world. And, uh, you know, Peter Drucker said that uh, anywhere anything is really getting done, it's done by a monomaniac with a mission. Uh, Neil Cole is certainly that. Uh, he's changed the way that people think about uh, disciple making, church planting. Uh, now I know he's focusing on millennials. It's a really exciting thing to have you on here today. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you, Ralph. Yeah. You've been a true mentor for me for decades. So thank you. I don't, there are very few books I've written that don't mention you. <laughs> I feel honored and, and impressed. So what you've been doing lately, just overall, Neil the person, not Neil the author and all that. Right. So, yeah, um, you know, I've gone through a 10-year season of transition, what Bobby Clinton would call a boundary, and I've just, I'm just coming out of it last month. So um, it's been a challenging time, and I'm excited about what lies ahead, the new phase of life. Um, Clearly, God has shut down old channels of ministry and has opened up new directions, but it also means starting over at 60. Um, So that's kind of exciting. Um, The books I write now and the times I speak are all focused on uh, actually young people who are not churchgoers. So um, the language has to change the way I communicate all of that. I'm still starting churches and still making disciples and mentoring people. And uh, now I have, I've gone from zero to five grandkids in three years. And wow. I'll spend a lot of time uh, watching them, taking care of them uh, so that their parents can work. So tell us a little bit about the ministry issues, the things that you're, the, I mean, the books you've written. Tell, tell us about the last two, three books. Yeah. So I wrote a book. Uh, about three years ago, well, it, it was published about three years ago called Rising Tides, which looks at uh, trends that are happening in the world that the church cannot stop and cannot uh, do anything but be try to get prepared for. Um, but we are woefully inadequately prepared. Um, so I, I wrote that book and published it, self-published it with Amazon and, uh, and Ingram Spark and uh, Amazon would not sell it. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, they would sell it. They wouldn't send it. <laughs> so a lot of people would pay for it. They'd buy it, and they'd never receive it. And all it said on the website was it's out of stock. But it was a print-on-demand book. Uh-huh. So there's no stock. They just create the book for every order. And so this went on for months, and it killed all momentum. And uh, you know, I used to I started saying this is the book Amazon doesn't want you to read. Um, <laughs> It, uh, it it sort of killed the momentum of that book. And it's unfortunate because it's a prophetic book. It would have been very good uh, 
preparing the church for this specific time if if it had been released and people had read it it's available now on amazon but it's a little bit late to the party what's the name of the book again rising tides um it looks at four trends in the world uh, the population growth the rising technological tsunami um that wave that we are all in the midst of um the growing economic gap between the wealthy and the rest of us <laughs> and the uh, um, rising polarization of worldviews and how that is being used to manipulate us. Those four trends, the church is uh, just blindly experiencing without really being prepared for the results of it. And so the book said, it, it, it sounds like a daunting book and in a sense it is, but it's also a hopeful book because it gives very practical solutions uh, that, that would take, would cost nothing uh, financially or to, to begin to be prepared. We can multiply and spread exponentially just like those trends are exponential and we can match the growth, but we have to do things differently. And that's the hopeful angle of the book. And um, it's still available, it's still, still, it's more pertinent today than it ever was. I wish I had a chapter on viral exponential growth, but that's that's another chapter. In fact, that's another book. I'm working on a book now called Viral, which is about um, how this moment, this viral moment, is a chance for us to become more viral in the way we live our life out with Jesus. That's interesting. I'm going to be buying Rising Tides as soon as we get off this call. Yeah, if I don't sneak and do it during the time. Uh, I, well, I, I sent you a copy and your endorsement's on the cover, so. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I have the copy that you sent me. Did you send it oh. from Amazon? Um, so don't worry. I, 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 if I don't have I, one of these shelves back here, I'll have it in two days. If you don't have it, it's because I couldn't get it from Amazon. Yeah, that That's <laughs> amazing. So was oh, I, I just have to ask you this. Was there an issue of them not liking the book or was it just a snafu? I, you know, it, I, I joke about this is the book that Amazon doesn't want you to read. And actually, the content of the book may actually be something Amazon wouldn't want you to read. But I seriously doubt Amazon's read the book yeah. or knows who Neil Cole is. Um, that's that's the silliness. Yeah. But um, that doesn't mean that our enemy doesn't know. Yeah and cause snafus so that's the way i see it um it they shifted all their algorithms at the time i put it out so that they could get more money from people with uh for paying paying for advertisement that they used to produce for free on the website that's when it happened and somehow it fell through the cracks or i don't know um there's never been an explanation no one's ever responded but it was um People eventually either got a refund of their money or a few of them told me that like three or four months after they bought the book, it, it arrived, wow. which is not typical for Amazon, as we know. No, no. But that was a rough thing. And uh, it, it never really gained. It never really bounced back from that as far as sales go. The book I wrote after that is called Pray. And really, Pray is, you know, I, I, ha- I was, I'm a part of a network of uh, churches that are made up of mostly millennials um, 
that spans all of Southern California, but, or well, to Orange County, not further south than Orange County. And uh, when I wrote Rising Tides, they all bought the book, but only a couple of them read it. And I realized that I was writing, uh, my writing style has to change. In that, and I need to write shorter books, more uh, inspiring stories, and very practical. So the next book I wrote is called Pray. And that book is sold, sold much better. Um, it's written that way. It's written with uh, uh, an unbelieving young person in mind. And it's just basic uh, content about connecting with God in all of life. And uh, I think it's really practical and easy to read. You can read it in a day. Um, and it's selling a little bit better. So this next book is written in that style. So I, uh, I have a question because, uh, I mean, this is really good stuff for uh, other people to listen to your frustrations. Are, are you, did you publish that book through Amazon? I did. Yeah. You, you, you can't ignore them. Um, they're a monopoly and uh, growing bigger every day. And uh, you have to, you have to uh, wave the white flag and surrender to them. Well, you know, to me, it's more than uh, wave the white flag. It, it's that I don't really want to go through the experience I've gone through with with Christian publishers, where uh, they own you, they create cover art that you don't like. Uh, you know, the best book I ever wrote was called "How to Multiply Your Church," and it's got these little cookie cutter, ugly congregational church buildings all over it. And I showed it to a guy from another christian publishing company and was complaining that that that's the best book i ever wrote and it's the worst selling book i've ever written and he goes it's the cover i mean just like that and i'd already offered them to pay out of my own pocket to redesign the cover and they wouldn't even talk to me and so i've gone with amazon because i don't have them in my hair uh, uh the book isn't obsolete by the time it gets published i can write it and 72 hours after I think it's ready, it's, it's up online. It's been very good to me. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraged to know that you're uh, using that as, as an outlet. I think anybody who's in a position where we have a built-in audience is in a really great position, including a pastor of a small church, to, to publish a book through Amazon and, and have it be viable for their purposes. It, it's just exciting. Yeah. So let's go back to Rise. Tell me four or five things that I need to know to to accommodate the world that I live in, in, in terms of the mission that we have from the Lord. Yeah, so um, rising tides, uh, it shows clearly just how um, deep in it we are. <laughs> we, we, and there's nothing you can do about it. You and I have no control over the population growth or the, the speed at which technology is changing things. And the book elaborates on all those things, you know, our, the way our language is being shaped and molded daily by technology to, is, is incredible. It's kind of like, um, like when you have kids and they're growing and they go through a growth spurt, you really don't notice because you see them every day. And in the same way, technology is shaping us in fast ways, but because we're in the midst of the drift of this river, we don't know how much it's changing. So I try to point that out. Um, 
the the economic gap is incredible how fast that's happening in fact since the book came out um uh, Jeff Bezos, who we were just talking about Amazon, <laughs> he passed a hundred billion for the first time. First person to ever do that. And now uh, he's almost to 200 billion. And that's called exponential growth. That's where it doubles at a, on a, at a rapid rate. That's what we're dealing with. And that's, that is not what the church has been. This book points out that the church has not multiplied, is not prepared to catch up or keep up with the trends that are happening in the world, but it offers very simple solutions to that. We could, uh, if no one else does, if just one person listening to this podcast chose to make a disciple, and not a lot of disciples, just one in a single year and devote their whole life to that, uh, within that year so that that disciple can make another disciple in the same way, Within 35 years, the whole world would be disciples of Christ. We would multiply. And that's all it would take. And you wouldn't have to change your church structure. You wouldn't need a new brand or a new logo or a new worship leader. All you would have to do is do the very thing Jesus told us to do from the very start. Make a disciple. That's it. In fact, the entire 35 years where you're changing the world, all that time, you'd only ever be making one disciple every year wouldn't be a high demand on your, on your, you wouldn't have to quit your job and raise support and get a visa and travel across the world to do this. All you'd have to do is invest in one life all the time. Uh, that's all it would take to catch up and keep up with this exponential growth. All we would have to do is simply obey what Jesus told us to do 2000 years ago. It's that easy. Um, so it's, it's a simple solution to a very complex, rapidly changing world. And uh, I think it's very uh, practical, actually. <laughs> but it's unfortunate that most people, they think of other schemes and other ways to change the world, and they don't do the very simple things that are right in front of them. It's interesting. I found that when you offer simplicity and you offer help at a low cost, most Christian leaders are just not interested. They're, they're looking for 12 steps to do this. And uh, a package that cost me $450 and, you know, one thing that leads to another. And they they change them year by year. And it's so very, very simple. And the, as you're talking about the whole world, you know, obviously the question comes up, well, what about Pakistan? You know, what Neil said is just too simple. But, you know, I, I actually have a friend that was doing business in Pakistan. He was in a furniture business. And so, he was on a trip trying to make connection with people that, um, you know, could could build the furniture he wanted to sell. He owned a, at the at the futon rage. He owned a futon store, and he went to Pakistan and he met a guy doing exactly what you're saying, um, just you know, discipling people. And I think the guy had planted like 53 micro churches, I and mean, we would call them micro churches. They called them churches. And so this wealthy American began to focus on this individual in Pakistan and, and just, you know, they, they could actually, and this included like moving a family to a different community because they were doing some of that and setting them up and about $600 a church. And that thing just exploded. But the part that got to me 
was the fact that if you're moving to another culture and then you make a disciple there, you're doing business in the culture. Now we have Zoom. So I, I can have an ongoing relationship with somebody in France or Italy or the Ivory Coast or whatever. Or if you're moving there, I, I have a friend in France who who uh, fell in love with a French woman. He found Jesus in a in a drug rehabilitation center in Spain. And this lady was volunteering in this place. He fell in love with her, um, married her, but he wanted to live in France uh, with her. So he came back to America, got out of the drug culture, got a Fulbright scholarship so he could study in France. And that became his avenue into into France. And today there's 40-some-odd churches that came from the, the congregation that he planted as a, as a student. And so any reason that we have to go anywhere in the world um, can, can be the funding agency, the missions agency, all that junk that we pile on the church to just do the thing that Jesus said to do. But the problem is us. We got to choose to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think the solutions are so simple and so easy. And, and part of the reason why pastors are not enticed by that is uh, if it were that simple and that easy, they would not be as necessary. Um, it's hard to get someone to accept an idea when their salary depends on them not accepting it. Yeah. And uh, there's a sense of identity and security wrapped up in complex systems that require a high-level manager to lead. Um, so they're just not attracted to the simple solutions that that can pass them by. Um, I think that uh, the other reason why it doesn't get embraced is uh, our frame of reference, our mindset is, um, you know, learning how to do the actual multiplication of disciples, leaders, movements, the churches and movements is very simple because everyone carries the weight. Yeah. It's not, it's not on one person's shoulders. It's on every shoulder. And so that's very simple. It, you know, we always say it doesn't cost a dime to make a disciple. It only costs your life. Um, so that's, that's very uh, simple and easy. But to get to that, you have to unlearn a whole lot of things. And that's really hard. So the unlearning is the difficult challenge. The learning of the new is very simple and easy. But you can't just add the new to the old. It doesn't work that way. You have to take off the old clothes and put on the new ones. You can't just add old, uh, new clothes to the old ones. That doesn't work. So there's an unlearning that has to take place. And that's, that's the hard part for people. You know, I want you to unpack that a little bit. When we first met was so long ago, I can't remember. But I do remember that you were coming to a seminar I was doing on how to do uh, what we'd call micro church inside a congregation. Yeah. And I think I saw you in um, Los Angeles, which is near where you live in Maui. I believe it was San Diego and it was in Seattle. And I was trying to figure out what is this guy doing coming to the same thing over and over and over. And I, and, and it was like, you know, is he, is he a stalker? What's going on here? And I came up and, and uh, kind of confronted you and you laughed at me. And you said, come on, I brought 11 people with me. I want to take you to lunch. And you were going through, at that time, the process of change that you're describing right now. You, you were going through, I'm the professional pastor. I was manufactured by the system. And my job is to 
you know, continue the system to where uh, you've done some pretty fantastic things. When we get into the numbers of churches planted and the people involved and all that. And the thing that has always struck me as wise and wonderful about Neil Cole is you didn't monetize it. And, and I know that's cost you something, but had you monetized it, had you become the president of something um, and, and received a, a paycheck, you probably wouldn't have uh, written the book Rising Tides. You, you wouldn't be that flexible. You'd be st- stuck in that rut that you created, you know, decades ago. Um, t- tell us about that, the pain that you experienced in that process of change so long ago that, 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 that allowed you to become the person you are today. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, you, you can't change without discomfort. <laughs> you have to leave behind comfort. Um, so, uh, you know, I was trained before I became even a, a follower of Christ. I was trained to be an artist and I had good, I, I had probably better instruction in my art school than I did in my seminary. Um, so one of my art professors taught me that you, you cannot draw a good drawing until you've drawn 10 million bad drawings. And you won't draw a great drawing until you've done 50 million. Uh, so it's something like that. There, there's a sense in which I was trained to not be satisfied with whatever I am doing, but always wanting to improve. And I think that flexibility of gray matter is important. Um, that we need to be open to change and desirous of it, to look forward to new ways of, of being and doing things. And unfortunately, that's not characteristic of most Christendom. We're conservative. We don't like change. We resist it. Um, and that's, that's just not who I was made to be. So for me, I was, I'm most comfortable when I'm not comfortable. <laughs> when I'm thinking about changing things, when I'm trying to, that's how you get somebody who's 60 years old and a grandfather of five deciding to change everything and create a whole new audience from scratch. Um, that's kind of uh, who God made me to be. So it hasn't been, uh, I have not had to be somebody else to do this, but you are right. I could have made a much more comfortable living Um with, if I institutionalized everything and I made it all, you know, a, a, a giant pyramid that I was on top of. And I, I just had no desire for that. Um, I want Jesus to be the head and I don't want no one else to be the head. And I, and as a result, you know, I've not monetized, like you said, I've not monetized our system. I've not monetized our, our growth. I have um, had to live by faith. <laughs> Imagine that a follower of Christ living by faith. Can we have such a thing? Um, so that's been, you know, there's been hard times during these years, but there's also been rich rewards of watching eyes open and lights turn on and entire people groups change because of the gospel. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And Jesus takes good care of me and my wife and my family. So I'm all right with that. I really am. Uh, you and I both know, no one makes a lot of money writing books. I'm on my, I think, 15th or 17th book. Uh, and I, you know, I'm lucky if I make a thousand dollars a year on books. So, <laughs> uh, that's not why I write. Uh, 
I'm on Facebook and I do have a Twitter account. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.